Red Salute, welcome to the Manifestering Podcast. If you want to support this project, which allows me more time to produce and release content, you can do so on my website, manifestoringpodcast.com. There's a link to my Patreon, as well as a donation button that allows you to just donate through the site itself. You can also do so on my anchor.fm page, just search for Manifestoring Podcast. Thanks so much for helping me keep revolutionary media alive. Hey comrades, welcome to the inaugural episode of the Red Spark Wrap-Up. My aim with this project is to provide, in an audio form, the most relevant articles from the Red Spark website, which can be found at redspark.nu. For those of you who may be unfamiliar with Red Spark, it's a truly invaluable resource that provides the latest news concerning revolutionary struggles around the globe, and I can't suggest checking it out enough. You'll find content about the ongoing people's wars and national liberation struggles in the Philippines, India, Palestine, Latin America, and many other countries. Seeing as there's so much content to cover, I've decided to focus on one country per episode. That structure may change going forward, and any listener feedback about the structure of the show is is always greatly appreciated, of course. For the first episode, we're going to be covering the People's War in the Philippines. We'll be discussing a series of successful offensives carried out by the New People's Army, or NPA, against the AFP. We'll cover the statement from the NDFPSM concerning Peasant Month. We'll get Jose Maria Sison's outlook on the upcoming election and we'll be covering the truly unfortunate news about the murder of Kaoris. Again, this is just a few of the headlines coming out of the Philippines in the last couple months, so I really suggest checking out the Red Spark website if you're interested in learning more. So without further ado, here's the inaugural episode of the Red Spark Wrap-Up. NPA conduct numerous successful September offensives against security forces. Melito Glor Command, NPA Southern Tagalog, congratulates the Red Fighters and Commanders of NPA units in Quezon and Rizal who carried out resounding military action this September. It is dedicated to the people of Southern Tagalog, who are struggling in the national democratic struggle despite the intensifying state terrorism. In Rizal, two offensives against class enemies and mercenary armies took place in the last week of September. The people held the raid of the Narciso and Tazo Armil Command, NPA Rizal, on the Fort of the Goons of the PML Usurper, Arturo Robes, and San Isidro Rodriguez on September 27th. The NPA also destroyed house demolition equipment and confiscated weapons used by goons to intimidate farmers. The raid was in response to Robes' threat and eviction of 150 families of poor peasants living peacefully on Mount Balbog. Residents will be deprived of land and livelihood for the ecotourism project of the Savage PML. On September 30th, 6.40 a.m., another NAAC unit ambushed the operating 80th IBPA in Satio Alas, Pere Rodriguez. Two were reported dead by the AFP, including Private First Class Warren Fold Montbon. Meanwhile, a unit of the Apollonio Mendoza Command NPA Quezon defended well when it was attacked by troops of the 85th IBPA under the 201st Brigade on September 27th at 11 a.m. in Satio Hagakak, Barangay Malaya, General Luna. Two soldiers were killed in the 10-minute encounter. According to the AMC, the Red Fighters did not immediately fire at the enemy because the soldiers were cunningly positioned in the direction where the bullets could hit the civilians. The NPA then returned fire to ensure the safety of the residents. The AMC strongly condemned the violence against the residents of Satio Hagakak after the fighting. Reagan Avia and his wife, Leonina Alag, and Poli Naval, all living near the scene of the encounter, were arrested. They were taken to the soldiers' camp for investigation. 
The successful blows on the fascist enemies show that the NPA is faithful to its vow to uphold the interests and rights of the toiling masses. Anyone who wants to be a defender of the people is invited to join the NPA and wage a just war against oppression and exploitation. NPA carries out successful offensive against AFP in Negros Occidental Province. The LPC-NPA victoriously ambushed combined troops of the 62nd and 79th IB around 3 p.m. on November 3, 2021, in the boundaries of Satios Nakuruhan and Maluya Barangay Quinton Remo, Moises Padilla, Negros Occidental Province. At least nine enemy troops were killed in action, and many others were wounded after the hour-long firefight. The military troops were conducting operations for over a month in the mountain areas of Banalgaban, Isabella, Moises Padilla, Guihulian, and La Libertad pursuant to their desperate attempts to end the armed revolution waged and supported by the toiling masses. In the said operations, they continued to red-tag, harass, and terrorize communities, targeting innocent civilians and even murdering them in cold blood with their insistence in obliterating the NPA, but incessantly doing otherwise, even with the trillions of military spending of the U.S. Duterte regime and the NTF-ELCAC. With this, the masses demand justice for the crimes committed by the military. The recent ambuscade in Quentin Remo is one of the many answers to such demand. By now, the third idea in the entire reactionary armed forces should realize that their aim of defeating the NPA by the end of the official term of their tyrannical, plunderous, treacherous, and murderer commander Rodrigo Duterte is but an illusion. The worsening crisis of the semi-colonial and semi-feudal ruling system perpetuated by the greed and brutality, magnified by the current regime, has become fertile ground for more to join the ranks of the NPA. Guided by the CPP, the armed struggle will continue to grow and flourish despite the relentless attacks of the enemy. The ruling class and their fascist lapdogs in the AFP and PNP cannot make the revolution halt, not if daily they give the masses more reasons to fight and revolt. NDFPSM Statement on the Occasion of Peasant Month, 2021 On the occasion of Peasant Month this year, the National Democratic Front in southern Mindanao pays tribute to the Filipino peasantry, whose struggle to break free from feudal bondage continues to inspire the protracted People's War, even in the face of deteriorating socioeconomic crisis made worse by the COVID-19 pandemic and intensifying negligence, corruption, and fascism of the U.S. Duterte regime. More than five years into the worst reactionary regime since the U.S. Marcos dictatorship, the masses of peasants, peasant workers, and indigenous people never experienced Duterte's grandiose promise of, quote, change, unquote, but only extreme suffering with the perpetuation of exploitation and oppression of the semi-feudal and semi-colonial society. In the simple words of the peasant masses, Rodrigo Duterte had been a pest for three years since 2016 and a virus worse than COVID-19 for the last two years. He actually aggravated landlessness, consolidating landlord power in haciendas and agri-plantations in serving imperialist economic interests by implementing neoliberal policies in the agricultural sector. Years of refusing to carry out genuine agrarian reforms such as free land distribution and comprehensive production assistance worsened the socioeconomic plight of the peasant masses when the COVID-19 pandemic ravaged the country. As the public health crisis raged on, lockdowns and restrictions fractured agricultural supply chains and markets, exacerbating the parasitic tendencies of the big landlords and bourgeois compradors who bled the peasants dry with more creative ways to extract profit from farmers and farm workers. Poor peasant families struggled to eke out a living, while landlords and compradors in the agricultural export industry saw their incomes and wealth skyrocket, others even becoming millionaires and billionaires during the pandemic. 
The U.S. Duterte regime, through its Department of Agriculture, railroaded the commercial distribution of golden rice on June this year, completely shifting the control of seed propagation from local farmers to transnational agrochemical companies, which already amassed billions of dollars in privatizing seed supply and agricultural inputs. Moreover, the effects of the rice terrification law continue to devastate incomes of rice farmers, forcing them to sell their produce at an all-time low of around P7 to 10 due to the influx of cheap imported rice. They are caught in a spiral of unpaid debts as production costs increase while the price of their products continue to drop. Amid the pandemic, the Duterte regime's criminal negligence and unbridled corruption capitalized on the economic suffering of the Filipino peasantry. Hundreds of billions of pesos supposedly appropriated for social amelioration of the poorest Filipinos were pilfered by Duterte and his cronies. In southern Mindanao, 19 months into the pandemic, thousands of peasant families, especially in the hinterland areas, report that they never received even a single centavo from Duterte's Social Amelioration Program, SAP. Those who did say that they only received the amount of 1000 to 2000 of the promised 5000 to 8000 Others report that they were only ever given a few kilos rice, a couple of cans of sardines, and packs of instant noodles. Investment scams have also recently resurfaced, especially in Davao region, preying on peasant families who were enticed to part with their hard-earned money for a promise of a high return. It is curious to note that the previous investment scam of 2018 that rocked the region and stole millions of pesos mostly from peasant families also happened the year before the reactionary midterm elections, which installed Duterte's minions in the local and national bureaucracy. As an added bonus, the juggernaut of Duterte's fascist counterinsurgency machinery has made being a civilian in the rural areas a living hell for farmers, farm workers, and the LUMAD in the region. Their lives and communities suffer under the barrel of the AFP's gun, which more often than not are trained squarely on them. Incidents of aerial attacks and bombardments have become commonplace, as detachments and abusive troops under the Retooled Community Support Program, RCSP, terrorize peasant and LUMAD communities in a vain attempt to, quote, defeat insurgency by year-end, unquote. In February this year, AFP troops summarily killed a local farmer and two staffers of a demo farm for sustainable agriculture in Rojas, North Cotabato. A total of 277 farmers have been killed nationwide by Duterte's fascist armed forces since mid-2016, not to mention the thousands of cases of harassment and intimidation, forced surrender, hamleting, and other abuses as a result of the focused military operations in the countryside. Indeed, Duterte kills our farmers in a two-pronged way, through hunger and penury, and through all-out war in the name of counterinsurgency. It is therefore adding salt to an open wound that the 10th Infantry Division has the gall to prophesize that the AFP's fevered creation of hundreds of, quote, federated people's organizations, unquote, will eventually spell the defeat of the revolutionary movement in the region or anywhere else in the country. These POs have been formed by herding together farmers and LUMAD under duress on the basis of populist and meaningless taglines as, quote, peace and order, unquote, and without concrete programs to address the root causes of landlessness, poverty, and other socioeconomic issues. Peasants in LUMAD around the region are dismissing these so-called POs as a complete waste of their time and public resources. The Filipino peasantry holds the U.S. Duterte regime responsible for all the suffering and injustice that plagued the country. They resist Duterte's tyranny in a myriad of small and big ways. They vow to make him and his fascist mercenaries pay for his crimes when he steps down from power, manage to cling to it in some nefarious way, or even when he pulls all strings in order to rig the reactionary elections next year and install a stooge in his place. Through their consolidated mass organization, Pabansang Karimpunong, Manga, Magbubukid, Filipino peasants will take advantage of the reactionary elections to seize victories in line with the minimum and maximum demands of the revolutionary land reform. 
Most of all, they will continue to support and join their genuine peasant army, the New People's Army, whose tempered red fighters and commanders have made living through more than five years of Duterte hell not only bearable, but ripe with lessons and experiences that have made them all stronger, and continue to make the countryside a very fertile soil for the revolution. Joma Sassoon. Whichever candidates win, conditions will worsen and favor the revolution. Like all previous electoral exercises staged within the framework of the semi-colonial and semi-feudal ruling system, the 2022 elections administered by the Duterte regime are indeed intended to conjure the illusion that the people are democratically choosing their own political leaders from among agents of the foreign monopoly capitalists and the local exploiting classes of big compradors, landlords, and corrupt bureaucrats. The contest for the presidential and vice presidential positions is definitely one among bureaucrat capitalists, who are demagogic agents of foreign business interests and local exploiting classes. All of the top presidential candidates are long-time and well-proven bureaucrat capitalists who are financed by their own corruption and by the exploiting classes. In general, the major senatorial candidates are political agents of foreign monopoly interests and local reactionary classes, with the exception of a few who have excelled in their professions and in speaking and in acting in favor of the oppressed and exploited. The former clear-cut status of the quote pink-unquote presidential candidate as opposition is now decreased by the exclusion of Neri Colmenares from her senatorial slate and the inclusion of longtime Duterte loyalists. There are definitely some national slates of candidates that present themselves as independent of rather than opposition to the Duterte regime and its own national slate of candidates. Duterte propagandists themselves have admitted that these quote non-opposition independents unquote have been hired to split the vote of the opposition and facilitate the rigging of the elections in exchange for appointments in a renewed Duterte regime. The representatives of the lower middle class and the toiling masses of workers and peasants who run as candidates at the national level are so few. They are under the banner of the Makabayan coalition. The bloc of party lists the group as the biggest and strongest campaign machinery of volunteer campaigners from the best organized legal democratic forces of the broad masses of the people. But they lack the funds for TV and radio ads and are now being targeted by the anti-communist campaign of state terrorism by the regime and its fascist arm, the National Task Force, ELCAC. The NTF, ELCAC, and other ultra-reactionary forces are pressuring the parties and groups of the conservative opposition to exclude from their slates of candidates the Makbayan coalition candidates, and thus to undermine the urgently needed broad united front against the Duterte tyranny. Any success of the Duterte regime in this regard can only further convince the broad masses of the people that there can be no change for the better through the elections in 2022. While the Duterte regime gains immediately from any narrowing of what ought to be a broad anti-fascist united front, a great number of the best and brightest of the patriotic and progressive intelligentsia are driven to join the legal mass movements of the patriotic and democratic forces and the People's Democratic Revolution as the most effective way toward the defeat of the unjust ruling system and the ultimate victory of the people's struggle for national and social liberation. As of now, it is reasonable to expect the electoral victory of the national and local candidates that are credibly opposition because they stand out in exposing and condemning the grave crimes and anti-people policies and actions of the Duterte regime. But the elections in 2022 are not going to be clean and honest. The Duterte regime is determined to rig the 2022 elections by using its control of the reactionary armed forces and police, the Comelec, and the electronic vote count. The tyrant Duterte is on the way to making the pro-Duterte candidates win by fraud and terrorism. He is hell-bent on rigging the elections by way of protecting himself and his cohorts from charges of crimes against humanity before the International Criminal Court and probable charges of plunder before Philippine courts. 
With his accumulated power, he can even postpone the elections and proceed to rule by decree as Marcos did from the time he declared nationwide martial law in 1972. At any rate, whoever wins the presidential derby, whether from the Duterte ruling clique or from the opposition, will inherit an economy that is bankrupt and extremely burdened by debt and government, that is challenged by the rising discontent of the broad masses of the people, and by the various forms of struggle waged by the legal democratic forces and by the armed revolutionary movement. It is of crucial importance that the enlightened sections and personages of the conservative opposition, the legal democratic forces, and the forces of the People's Democratic Revolution, prepare for widespread and intensified struggle against any action taken by the Duterte ruling clique to stay in power, and against the escalating conditions of oppression and exploitation during and after the electoral campaign period. The chronic crisis of the ruling system continues to worsen rapidly. The broad masses of the people desire revolutionary change. They are sick and tired of false promises of political agents of the exploiting classes. The conditions for further advance of the People's Democratic Revolution are therefore more favorable than ever before, especially if the alliance of the Duterte and Marcos dynasties succeeds in using the 2022 elections to impose their reign of greed and terror on the people. NPA spokesperson Ka Oris murdered in cold blood by AFP in Bukidnon province. Comrade Ka Oris, Jorge Madlos, spokesperson of the New People's Army, NPA, was not killed in an armed encounter. He was ambushed on the road between Umpasagang town proper and the National Highway at 8 p.m. on October 29th. He and his medical aide were riding a motorcycle on their way to seek medical treatment. This is according to his wife, Ka Maria Malaya. Ka Oris, and aide Eiffel de la Peña, Kapika, were both unarmed when ambushed. Whether they were ambushed while moving or were accosted and thereafter executed is still unclear. Clearly, however, they were not in a position to give battle or fight back and were murdered in cold blood. To conceal their crime of murdering unarmed revolutionaries and create a false picture of an armed encounter, the 4th ID staged aerial strikes four hours later in the vicinity of Barangay Dumalaguing, Impasagang, Bukidnon Province. For around two hours, from 12.40 a.m. to past 2 a.m., the AFP dropped at least six large bombs, fired dozens of rockets, and strafed the mountainside shattering the peace and causing fear and panic among the people. They then issued a fat lie, claiming of an armed encounter at 11 a.m., ten hours later, where Ka Oris and Ka Pika were supposedly killed. Since last night, General Bronner of the 4th ID and other AFP officers shamelessly faced the media. They brazenly wove one lie after another in an attempt to fool the people. They are utterly dishonorable officers for propagating false information. We hold General Bronner and the men and officers of the 403 IBDE responsible for the murder of Kaoris and Kapika and its cover-up. Given the circumstances, the families of Kaoris and Kapika are in position to demand the independent pathologist perform an autopsy on the bodies of the victims to determine the actual circumstances of their killing. We also support the wishes of the families to have the bodies of Kaoris and Kapika be immediately released to them in order for them to conduct a proper wake and give all those who knew Kaoris the opportunity to pay their last respects. Kaoris had long wished to return to Sirgao Island, where he grew up as a boy. Perhaps his wish could be fulfilled. Statement by Jose Maria Sison in honor of martyred NPA spokesperson Kaoris. Soon after the murder of comrade Jorge Kaoris Madlos and his medical aide Eiffel de la Peña Kapika on October 29, 2021, by the reactionary armed forces of the Duterte terrorist regime, the Central Committee of the Communist Party of the Philippines and the National Operational Command of the New People's Army paid the highest tribute to Kaoris on November 2nd 
and gave a comprehensive review of his long and fruitful service to the Filipino people as a revolutionary patriot and as a communist cadre and MPA commander. Once more, we manifest our highest respects to Ka Oris in accordance with the declaration of the Communist Party of the Philippines that today, the anniversary of the Great October Socialist Revolution, is the International Day of Remembrance for his outstanding initiatives, selfless sacrifices, and great achievements as an excellent communist cadre and commander and fighter in five decades of revolutionary armed struggle. He is now in the pantheon of national heroes and martyrs of the Philippine Revolution. He contributed greatly to the development of the People's Democratic Revolution, not only in Mindanao, but in the entire Philippines, and stood out as a Filipino Bolshevik in the continuing struggle for national liberation, democracy, and socialism on a global scale. He was ever optimistic that the international proletariat and oppressed peoples will gain strength and shine light on the path for a new global resurgence of anti-imperialist, democratic, and socialist struggles. He was proud of the fact that the Philippine Revolution is contributory to the advance of these mass struggles. The counter-revolutionaries gloat over the death of Ka Oris after mutilating and cremating his body to insult his beloved family, friends, and the people. But these fascist monsters do not realize that long before his martyrdom, he had inspired and developed a great number of revolutionary successors, and that his martyrdom continues to inspire innumerable revolutionaries of this generation, and further generations to continue the People's Democratic Revolution through protracted People's War. We convey our condolences and share the grief of Ka Maria Malaya, widow of Ka Oris, and their children, as well as Ka Pika's family and friends. We bear the weight of all mountain ranges in the Philippines and our grief, but the same weight prods us to fight for justice for Ka Oris and Ka Pika through intensified revolutionary struggle. We become more determined than ever to fight for the national and social liberation of the Filipino people against the semi-colonial and semi-feudal ruling system and the current tyrannical, terrorist, mass-murdering, and plundering regime of Duterte. Kaoris started on the road to the Philippine Revolution as a student activist in the early 1970s. He was motivated by the desire for full national independence, democracy, social justice, and all-round development of the Philippines. Thus, he organized his fellow students on the Musuan campus of Central Mindanao University in Maramag, Bukidnon. He belonged to the Chi Ro in the left wing of the Federation of Free Farmers when Marcos declared nationwide martial law in 1972. He was arrested in 1974 and imprisoned until 1976. His experience of repression convinced him to join the NPA. He joined one of the first squads of the New People's Army that started the People's War in Mindanao, particularly in northern Mindanao and he played a major role in the growth of the NPA in the 1970s and 1980s. The NPA grew to several companies as they carried out mass work, genuine land reform, and armed struggle in guerrilla bases and zones constituting guerrilla fronts. The peasant masses in Lumad, ethnic minority people, welcomed the NPA and united to fight the armed dominions of the reactionary state in big capitalist logging and mining companies and plantations, which grabbed farms and ancestral land and plundered the environment. Kaoris carried out the party's general line and program of People's Democratic Revolution through protracted People's War. The party, the NPA, the mass organizations, and local organs of political power struck deep roots in the countryside. With the daily support of the mass organizations, the organs of political power administered the economic, political, educational, cultural, and military affairs at the village level and upwards. The campaigns of military suppression unleashed by the Marcos fascist regime failed to stop the armed revolution. Kaoris became one of the representatives of the National Democratic Front, NDF, Mindanao, in ceasefire talks with the Corazon Aquino government in 1986 through 1987. He was arrested after the collapse of the ceasefire agreement in early 1987 due to the peasant massacre at Mendiola. While in prison until 1992, he suffered a urinary bladder infection. He was deprived of medical attention, and his infection resulted in permanent damage, which he suffered from and needed to manage for the rest of his life under the difficult conditions of guerrilla warfare. 
Kaurus followed for a while, but eventually disengaged from the erroneous line of premature regularization and urban insurrectionism from the mid-1980s onwards, a period when Red Fighters of the NPA were overly concentrated in companies and battalions at the expense of sustaining and expanding the mass base. Ultimately, Kaoris noticed the contraction of the mass base and the growing failure to sustain the military victories during the latter part of the 1980s until the 1990s. Thus, he concluded that it was not the enemy who almost decimated the NPA in Mindanao, but the policy of verticalization and self-constriction that led to serious setbacks and the panic of Campanyang Ajos. Together with comrade Antonio Cabanaton and other excellent proletarian revolutionaries, Kaoris became a champion of the Second Great Rectification Movement, which the Central Committee declared in 1992 to reaffirm the party's basic Marxist-Leninist-Maoist ideological principles in its strategic line of people's democratic revolution through protracted people's war. He stood firm and became a key figure against the revisionist subjectivists and quote-left-unquote opportunists, among whom were former cadres in the Mindanao Commission, who eventually turned renegades against the revolutionary cause. Kaoris and other comrades successfully led the party, NPA, and revolutionary forces in northeast Mindanao region, recovered the areas lost in the period of the left opportunist air, and prevailed over the campaigns of military suppression unleashed by the Ramos and Estrada regimes in the 1990s, and the Arroyo, Aquino, and Duterte regimes in the last two decades. The People's War expanded and intensified across the five regions in Mindanao Island as the NPA carried out the line of intensive and extensive guerrilla warfare on the basis of an ever-widening and deepening mass base. In 2015, Kaoris became one of the leading commanders of the NPA National Operational Command. He was recognized for his successful leadership in waging people's war in Mindanao. Together with comrade Julius Giron and other cadres, he played a key role in bringing together around 100 cadres from all regional party committees across the Philippines to hold the historic Second Congress of the CPP. During the Congress, he was elected as a member of the Central Committee, the Political Bureau, and Executive Committee, and was tasked to be among the leading cadres in the military commission in the Mindanao Commission. He became responsible for the deployment of about a thousand battle-tested party cadres and red commanders from Mindanao to various key guerrilla fronts in Luzon and Visayas. This is a clear demonstration of the outstanding character of Kaoris as a patriotic leader of the entire Filipino nation, and as a communist cadre who follows the principle that the advanced guerrilla fronts must support the less advanced. He was ever conscious of the fact that cadres had come from Luzon and Visayas to assist in the development of the People's War in Mindanao since the 1970s, and he was ever willing to do what was needed to advance the overall development of the revolution. According to the CPP Central Committee, Kaoris avidly read and studied Marxism-Leninism-Maoism and applied this theory to revolutionary practice. He read and reread classical military writings, especially those of such great communist leaders as Mao Zedong, Ho Chi Minh, and Vo Wenqiao. He studied closely the history and successful experiences of waging people's war in semi-colonial and semi-feudal countries. He was inspired by the epic struggles of the oppressed and exploited classes throughout history in various countries of the world. The CPP Central Committee commends Kaoris for training and guiding so many young party cadres and red fighters in the art of guerrilla warfare. He wrote manuals and training courses for the red commanders and fighters of the NPA and enriched them by drawing positive and negative lessons from the past and new experiences in waging guerrilla warfare. He made it to a point to gather party cadres in big and small meetings, consultations, and conferences where he intently listened, learned new experiences, and discussed them with comrades. Despite his health condition, he trekked long distances from one guerrilla front to another to observe firsthand the work of party committees and NPA units. Over the past two years, unknown to the enemy, he took risks to go around the archipelago to inspire and impart his knowledge of waging people's war. He always said that to be able to gather cadres and assess their revolutionary work amid intense military operations is a feat in itself. 
The CPP Central Committee takes special note of the fact that Kaoris was a staunch defender of the environment. One of the first demonstrations he organized as an activist was a protest action against a logging company. For five decades, he led units of the NPA who fought against big bourgeois comprador companies which ravaged the environment. He led the enforcement of the ban on logging for export, and he was fiercely opposed to the proliferation of open pit mines all over the country. In struggle to protect the environment, the NPA became known in Mindanao as the Green Gorillas, as depicted by the film in the New Zealander Rod Prosser. Every year during Earth Day, Kaoris issued a statement on the worsening environmental crisis brought about by monopoly capitalism. He defended the NPA's actions against the logging and mining companies and monocrop plantations that ravaged the land and lives of the people. In evaluating his life and deeds, the CPP Central Committee has summed up not only his major contributions to the growth and advance of the revolutionary movement, but also to the endearing personal characteristics of Kaoris. As spokesperson of the NDFP Mindanao, and later of the New People's Army, Kaoris made a lot of friends among reporters and writers because he was always mild-mannered, reasonable, cordial, and courteous to them, even to those who made known their animosity to the revolutionary cause. The CPP Central Committee points out that, through his efforts, not a few journalists saw how many different the revolutionary movement was from the image of, quote, terrorists, unquote, persistently being painted by the real terrorists, the fascist reactionaries who red-tagged people for abduction, torture, and murder. He engaged journalists in calm and serious discussions with the aim of reaching out to the public and clarifying the views of the revolutionary movement. Reporters who had the opportunity to join the press conferences organized by Kaoris would attest to both his charisma and humility. Despite his high public and organizational standing, Kaoris was a humble revolutionary who did not seek the easy life. He chose the difficult and arduous life of a party cadre and guerrilla fighter. He was undeterred by his repeated imprisonment, chronic illness, and advanced age. To the end of his life, he took the difficult road of people's war. He served as an inspiration for the young red fighters and revolutionaries. In his private life, he was deeply devoted to his wife, Ka Maria Malaya, and their two children as they endured long periods of separation and the constant risk to his life, limb, and liberty. He had the highest respect for Ka Maria, who is herself a brilliant party cadre. The CPP Central Committee attests to the fact that Kaoris always treated comrades with warm affection, especially the younger ones. His love and concern for comrades and the masses was boundless. He made it a point to ensure that everyone was well taken care of. He had a dry sense of humor, making him easy to get along with. Kaoris was a comrade beloved by red fighters, the peasant masses, lumads, and workers, as well as by various sectors in the cities. To many, he was a loving fatherly figure who was concerned with the comrades' big and small concerns. The love of the broad masses of workers and peasants for Kaoris is matched only by the hatred for him of the big landlords, the big bourgeois compradors, the mining companies, plantations, the bureaucrat capitalists, the tyrants and dictators like Marcos and Duterte, and all the fascist terrorists who perpetuate the oppressive and exploitive system. They have used resources to demonize and blacken the image of Kaoris. The cowardly and dishonorable fascists are beyond themselves in celebrating their murder of Kaoris, and yet express fear of forthcoming offensives of the NPA and the masses. They are only fooling themselves in thinking that the murder of Kaoris will put an end to the revolution. As Kaoris himself said, the revolution will continue because it is just. So long as the oppression and exploitive systems persist, the Filipino people will continue to wage the People's Democratic Revolution under the leadership of the proletariat and attain the stage of a socialist revolution. The so many revolutionary successors that Kaoris himself trained and developed and the innumerable toiling masses inspired by his martyrdom will make sure to continue the revolutionary struggle of Kaoris until total victory is achieved. Long live the memory of Kaoris. Uphold the torch of Marxism, Leninism, Maoism. Advance the People's Democratic Revolution until complete victory. Long live the Filipino people.